everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. I am Eric Wilbur, your host. I'm the editor of the New England Ski Journal, and joining us on Zoom today, because he's not alongside me here in the studio, Mike Specian from his lovely New Hampshire home. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. The sun is shining on this beautiful day when we're taping this, and it's brisk, it's cold, and uh, hey, w- winter and ski season is here. It is. It's it's fun. It's great. And a couple big things. I mean, we we saw some 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 insane financial news this month, right? Shohei Otani signing a seven hundred million dollar contract with the LA Dodgers, which is something we've never even seen before. But it, it comes to mind that seven hundred million dollars for a very unique player. That's going to be a worldwide phenomenon and all this deferred money. It's a unique situation. It's a unique contract. And it's just something that it's a new wave of sport contracts. I only bring that up because Shohei Otani is a special sort of dinosaur in the sport of baseball. In the sport of skiing, we've got our own special dinosaur and she just keeps racking up win after win after win. And it's like Michaela Schifrin is just becoming... I don't want to say an also ran, but it's like, oh, well, another victory, another cup. She's got it. And now she's adding downhills to the, to the equation. I mean, this girl will not stop. We have we have talked about Michaela over the last year quite a bit. I have made the statement numerous times. She is the goat. There's a reason. It's because the discipline of slalom and downhill, technical and speed disciplines, are absolutely different mentalities and different mindsets. It is unbelievable. I mean, first off, coming out on the home turf at Killington and taking the slalom in front of the home crowd, the place was electric as she she took it. But then recently taking a downhill victory, just just crazy. No other way to say it. It's it's unreal. And and again, I bring up Shohei Otani because he's such a national figure, right? And I I almost wish there were an Olympic Games right around the corner because I'd love to see Michaela in them just to shut up that national narrative of her not being able to handle the pressure of skiing on whatever fake snow they had overseas there, right? So it's like she should have a be- a bigger spotlight on her, but you know it's it's the sport of skiing, and it's it it is what it is. It's a, it's a niche, it's a niche sport. Understand something, okay? B- baseball, we're going to call it America's sport because it's been called that. Uh, football, basketball, it's all the mainstream for America. If if Michaela, and she already is huge in Europe, but if if she was Norwegian or Swiss, or German, she would be bigger than life over there, just like a baseball player is here. She is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And honestly, the best part about this year so far, NBC has actually been showing the races. Have they? I haven't really caught up too much with it. I mean, I... Because NBC drives me nuts, right? It's like, we're going to show the, the races nationally, but oh, they're on Peacock and I get Peacock. But no, now I don't get Peacock because they took it away from my cable system. It's like one thing after another. I don't even know where I can watch these races. Well, it's they've been on NBC. 
I, I watch Killington from my lazy boy. How, how, how good does that cut? It sounds pretty good. Yeah, you can't beat it. So, but we, we have a different type of skier coming in today. Yes, of course. We have from New England Disabled Sports, which is housed up at Loon, and they do just fantastic stuff for adaptive skiing and all sorts of adaptive sports, really. They've got outlets in, or outfits, I'm sorry, in Loon and Bretton Woods, and they're going to come on the show and discuss some adaptive skiing and, and what sorts of programs can people looking to get on the hill with a disability. It, it's really inspiring, especially since we had Kelly Brush on a few weeks ago to, 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 to be in this realm and to, to, to sort of pay attention to, to these skiers and the, the challenges they face. Exactly. And, and you brought up Kelly Brush there. Folks, Eric and I are not in the same room, so we're not looking at each other. Since oh, I'm at home. Yeah, we are, I guess, by the Zoom. But the mic. Ah, there we go. Um, when when we had Kelly Brush on, it was eye opening to me. I knew the story, but I didn't know the impact that was happening in adaptive skiing, in equipment, in commitment. And we have talked an awful long time for the last year, in fact, about having adaptive skiing on this podcast. And I am just really stoked for Vance and Owen to tell their story and the story of Ned's. Well, I also have some questions about your knee as well and your recovery, but we will get that on the back end of the podcast and see exactly how your progress is going. Coming up next, we're going to have Vance Perry and Owen Ancatel. They're going to discuss everything about New England disabled sports. We'll have that in just a moment. Welcome back to the show. Joining us on the old Zoom line here today on the Basecamp podcast is Vance Perry. He is Corporate Development Director for New England Disabled Sports and Owen Ancatel. He is an adaptive athlete who uh, who participates with uh, New England Disabled Sports as well. We're excited to have them here to discuss uh, adaptive sports and adaptive skiing at Loon Mountain and at Bretton Woods. So, gentlemen, welcome to both of you. Thank you very Thanks much for having us. Well, we're, we're extremely excited to have you. We've all seen all the action at Loon and at Bretton Woods of great athletes, maybe not on their feet, but on in sliding down the hills in different ways. Vance, why don't you tell us, how did Ned's, the New England Disabled Sports, begin? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Mike. So we started back in 1987 as an adaptive sports program, not-for-profit. Started out at Loon Mountain with about 10 instructors with about 30 lessons. And it started out as White Mountain Adaptive Ski School. And about 20 years ago, we had a name change to New England Disabled Sports. And we've grown. We're really thriving. And in 2022-23 season, we had over 2,000 snow sport lessons. We've grown into two dedicated adaptive sports centers, one at Loon Mountain and one at Bretton Woods, Omni Mount, Washington. So, yeah, it's been a great success story. And our, our program is thriving. Well, we know that Jessica can't can't join us today, Vance, but I know that her background in NEDS is goes really way back to the age of eight. Can you tell us a little bit about her? How did she grow up and how did her, her parents had her involvement in NEDS as well? Yeah, absolutely. So our founder, Dr. Bob Harney, is Jessica's dad and started the program in 87 and has really, Jessica really grew up in the program, right? So she became uh, a ski ski instructor. She helped with certifications for nationals and Paralympics and so forth. 
And um, now she is our board president. And uh, it's been really a cool story to see. I mean, when we think back to our physical location has grown tremendously. Um, back in 87, we we're in a small a locker, concrete locker room in the Loon Gondola. And we've grown into that, that adaptive sports center that we talked about. That's named after the Harney family. So Jessica's mom, Andrea, is still an instructor in our program. Her sister comes up and skis with us well. So it's a family affair with the Harneys. And really, just I think that's the coolest thing about NEDS is that we're a huge community and everyone becomes our family and part of the family. Well, that building up at Loon is quite incredible. I mean, as we all park next to the governor's, try to get parking next to the governor's lodge some, some days on great days. Owen, how did you become involved with the program? Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I grew up skiing at Loon. So I've been skiing at Loon since about three years old. So it's been 20 years for me at Loon. And I don't even remember not, I don't remember a winter not being at Loon. I mean, I've been skiing since I was three years old and it was something that my parents got me into. And every time when the winter came around, my first question was, when are we heading up to Loon? And it's really just blossomed into something that like, I look forward to every year. I mean, I used to take, I mean, I used to take lessons up there and then I started coaching in high school and now I'm a full-time coach up there. And I mean, it's just, it's an incredible program to be a part of and just seeing how far they've come and how much they've grown is really incredible. Oh, and can you talk a little bit about your disease and, and what it has done to you? Okay. Yep. So I have a disease in my legs called hereditary spastic paraplegia. So the muscles in my legs aren't strong enough to be able to support me to walk. So I have crutches that I can walk with and I have a wheelchair for like going long distances or if I'm in a situation where like I'll be out on snow or someplace that's not easily accessible, like I'd much rather use my wheelchair just to make it a little bit easier for myself. But yeah, so I mean, I've grown up with it since I was a kid. And from what the doctors say, like it tends to get a little bit worse as time goes on. So I do like a lot of stretching and therapy and stuff like that just to try and keep the spasticity from becoming something that affects my whole life and all that. But yeah. And you also, I mean, I've, I've done some research on you. I Googled you and you've done some incredible things in the past. I mean, you, you, I'm reading an article here, Hudson Teen Hand Cycles. East Coast to raise adaptive sports awareness. Can you discuss that, first of all? Yeah, so the summer going into my senior year of high school, I, I founded a nonprofit a few years back called Adaptive Sports Awareness. So the summer going to my senior year of high school, I rode my hand cycle from the top of Maine to Key West, Florida to raise awareness for adaptive sports. So along the way, I stopped with different rehab groups and different nonprofits and discussed like with them just all that adaptive sports is and how how easily like it can be how you can adapt something so that it can be accessible for everyone. But it was an incredible summer. I did it with my best friend and my cousin who were just on normal bikes, but it was, it was an incredible trip. That's for sure. That's awesome. That's just plain amazing. And you also, you played tennis in high school, you cycled, you ski, you water ski, you play basketball, you know, how did you get introduced to being able to live this life? of adaptive sports. Yeah, I'm going to say it's something that like I grew up in. I mean, like I've been at Ned since I was three years old. So I mean, Ned's really opened my eyes to all that was possible. I mean, I started skiing and then I got really into hand cycling through Ned's as well. 
And that really just opened my eyes to all that's possible. Just, I mean, like with the people that I met there, like there was so many other people in chairs and all that, that were like, oh yeah, we're going up to go water skiing this weekend. Do you want to come? And I'm like, I've never been, but sure. Like, why would you say no to a free trip for water skiing? And sure enough, they got me out on the lake and we had quite a time. And yeah, I mean, like I played tennis all throughout high school. I played tennis in college and it's, I mean, sports is really just something that's changed my life and shown me that just because I'm in a wheelchair doesn't change who I am. That's absolutely fantastic. Vance, we had Kelly Brush on very recently, and we all know about her story. Um, she talked about equipment and how equipment has changed and really elevated this. You've been in the program teaching for 11 years. What are you seeing out there with the equipment changes? Yeah, no, great question. And yeah, Kelly is great. Everything that she's doing with folks with spinal cord injury. That's one of the biggest changes we've probably seen over the last 15 years, all the advances in the sit ski equipment. So Owen skis in a mono ski, but there's a variety of different skis out there. Last week, I actually attended uh, the Hartford Ski Spectacular out in Breckenridge. And just to see the amount of folks that are getting out on the hill, both with cognitive and physical disabilities and the different adaptive equipment they use uh, is just fantastic. Um, one piece of equipment that we recently about four years ago, we partnered with the University of Utah to acquire something known as the Tetra Ski. Um, and that is for folks with kind of complex uh, disabilities. Could be someone with uh, spinal cord injury or Duchenne's muscular dystrophy or what have you. And it allows people to get out on the hill and ski independently with the help of a joystick or sip and puff technology. So it's some really cool cutting edge technology. Um, we have one of those skis at, at Ned's and we're actually getting a second one this year. So it's been really cool to see these things advance. Vance, I'm looking at some of the equipment on your website and just like the mono ski, the bi ski, for tracking and snow slider. Are these all just standard equipment or is it kind of like your special ski? Like what size ski you go, what size boot? Like, is there a, a difference in the preference of whether you go to a fork, like a four tracking snow slider or a bi ski, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. It all depends on the physical disability and the strength that someone has. We have range from folks like Owen that are striving for independence and skiing independently is our goal, really teach ourselves out of a job to something that may be more of a bi-ski where you've got two skis underneath you and you might need a instructor there to help you out and ski. And they range in different sizes as well, depending on if we've got a four-year-old student or someone in their 70s that maybe has MS that's getting out on the snow for, for the first time in a while. So a lot of different options, and we're here to get anybody that wants to recreate outside out on the hill. Well, with that being said, Owen, what are some of the unique challenges faced by individuals with disabilities on the hill? Yeah, so I mean, the challenge challenges on a lot of hills, are, I mean, like, I mean, once you get into the ski, it's obviously sometimes it can be a long push to the chairlift and stuff like that. So you got to, I mean, like at Ned's, like I usually get some help from some of the coaches and all that stuff, just as far as they'll take me if they're on another lesson or whatnot. But I mean, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. I mean, just getting getting to the lift, because once you're on the mountain, like every lift you can just ski right up to and hop right in line and all that stuff. And that's pretty easy. It's a little little tougher at some mountains than others. Um, I mean, I'll say Loon's a little challenging. It's a little bit of a, a steep climb up to the Kank Gate up there. But it's something that, like, I've done for years now, so I've been able to handle it. But 
Well, with, you, the, with that sorry, being said, when I was there for when the Kank 8 opened up that first day, my my question was, how was how was your program going to be able to utilize that lift? Because we're talking eight people on a lift. It's is it is there any problem on that lift at this point? Yeah. So, I mean, I have trouble on that lift. Like it's so like I have them stop it at the bottom just so that I can get myself on because like, I mean, if you've been there, like if you don't get on that, that decline right into the wall is it's a steep one. And I wouldn't want to fall down that and have, have to have someone help me out of it. Never mind, get myself out of it. So I have them stop it at the bottom and I have them stop it at the top for me. But generally I ride that lift maybe twice a day. I ride it first thing in the morning and then I go and just ski on another lift. And then I again have to ride in the afternoon when I come in for lunch and then I'm off it generally for the rest of the day. But I feel like they've Loon's been doing a lot of work with it and just trying to work with Ned specifically just to make sure that there are adaptions that work for us so that we're able to get our lessons onto the chair. And I mean, yeah, because I mean, that's the only way you can get onto the mountain on our side of the mountain. So it's just it's the only way you can get out there for us, Ned's for the Ned's athletes. Sure. What are what is it like dealing with crowds, Owen? Is it anything that comes to be a, a, a nuisance or is it you're you're always in your own zone? It can be a little bit tough with the crowds. So, I mean, like over like Christmas break or February vacation and stuff like that, like the mountains definitely very crowded. But I mean, like going out on the lessons, like you always have two or three coaches with you. So they're all I mean, they're always out there and they're keeping track of everyone that's on that or that's with them on their lesson and stuff like that. But things can definitely get busy at Loon. I mean, like I know that I went up last year over Christmas break and like the lift lines were huge. So like once I got up the kank eight, like I never went back down to the bottom till I was done skiing for the day just because I didn't want to have to deal with all those crazy lines again. So smart man. We without a doubt Loon Loon is the busiest ski area in New Hampshire. We all know that. And on a weekend or on a powder day, it can be nuts. Vance, what type of adaptive skiing programs and services does the organization offer? And how do you market it out there to the adaptive world? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So we do we do service folks with a wide range of disabilities, both cognitive and physical. We have, we, we do a lot of programming with our veterans, so we're proud to, to work with them. We see a lot of groups come up during the week and our veteran programming, those, those folks do not uh, pay for any of the lessons. We've been very fortunate to get some grants through foundations and it's super cool to see that. And uh, yeah, we're just really from a, how to, how to get in touch with us. We're, you can go to our website. You can call in and talk to one of our fantastic staff about a lesson. Um, you can follow us on our socials on Facebook and Instagram and so forth. And uh, yeah, we'd love to get anyone out on the hill. One, one quick question with what you just said. You're, yeah, veterans. We've seen a lot of vets coming back from wars that we've been involved in. Are they embracing the winter sports? Absolutely. It's always great to ski with the veterans. They'll come up and a lot of times they'll bring up a bus with 8, 10, 12 veterans that come up. And just they want to get out on the hill and breathe that fresh air and just have a great time. So, yeah, they fully embrace it. Love it. And just it's kind of giving back. And it's always nice to see that we're able to get these folks out of the hill for all they've done for our country. Perfect. I'm I'm sorry. Vance, we asked Owen this, but I, I don't think we asked you. What got you involved with New England Disabled Sports and how did you start with the program? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So about 11 years ago, my wife and I uh, had been skiing for at Loon for about 10 years, and we wanted to give back more. And we're both uh, big outdoors people, love to ski and recreate. But we have a number of friends that were coaches and instructors in the program. So they encouraged us to give it a try. We gave it a try and haven't looked back. I mean, we're super, uh, super involved in the program. And it's really become a community. We've got great friends from this program, both student athletes, families, other coaches. It's just been a really cool experience. Well, you mentioned earlier that you have also sort of spread your wings and went over to Brenton Woods. How's that been? Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Right around that same time that I came on board about 11, 11 or 12 years ago, we actually started, kind of took over the program at Bretton Woods. So big shout out to Chris Elms and his team up there. They've been an awesome partner. We've grown there. Our space has gotten bigger. The number of our lessons have gotten bigger. And it's just been really cool to see uh, that other mountain. And it's, it's, a lot, it's a little bit different experience than Loon. It's a little bit farther north. So we're able to get out there uh, with a little bit less crowd sometimes. And it's unbelievable views when you look across and see Mount Washington in all its glory. I want to ask both of you because I, I used to, when I was probably eight or nine years old, used to ski with a blind skier and it used to just amaze me just the, the, the ability that he, he had to listen and to kind of associate where he was going. And I just wonder, like 30 years ago, were adaptive, I mean, obviously we've built it up a lot more since in the 30 years, but what is different now in adaptive sports that was, wasn't necessarily there maybe 30 years ago? I feel like 30 years ago, like adaptive sports. Not that you would know 30 years yeah. ago. You yeah, know? <laughs> no, but I mean, like adaptive sports has come a long way since I was born. So, I mean, I feel like, I mean, within the 23 years that I've lived, like adaptive sports has come so far. I mean, they've been making so many adaptations and adaptive to ski equipment and hand cycles and stuff like that. Like to be in a piece of equipment from 2000 in present day like it, they've made so many adaptations i mean they've really worked on like the materials that they make the equipment out of just to make them more i mean to make them lighter make them easier to move in and stuff like that uh, yeah i just it's come a long way i, I can tell you that but yeah. where, where does the equipment come from vance like who do you call for this equipment yeah, no, there's a couple of different providers that we use that actually specialize in them. So one one that has become very popular from a Sitski perspective is the Dynamique that we use that. But there's there's some vendors out there that provide both winter and summer programming. So that's that's what I know. I know this is a ski ski podcast, but we actually offer year round programming. Our summer program is getting getting big as well. We offer mountain biking and cycling and paddle sports and even picked up pickleball down at the owl's nest down in thornton so yeah it's been really cool to see all that but yeah, there's definitely specific providers that that help us out with all that equipment i re i remember many years ago i was at canon and vance you might be able to give me the name but there was a gentleman that was on a sitski that was just friggin ripping i believe i believe he was going to world championships and stuff do you remember that person there's been a few through New England. It might be Chris Young, who I just actually heard speak recently, but he's a parallel. That's who it was. Yeah, Chris Young. Yeah. He just received an award out at Ski Spectacular last week. And yeah, he's uh, New England roots, skied with Loon and, and skied all around New England a lot. But I think he's a four-time gold, gold medal winner in the Paralympics. Unbelievable. 
Okay, well, here's the question I think the audience really wants to know. How's the skiing been this year? So far, the skiing's been, we we had a good start. We, I think, two feet so far this year. So we've had a good start up at Loon and Bretton Woods and hope for more and hope for a big ski season. And Owen, what, what is your favorite time of the year to ski? Is it, is, are you more of an early season guy? Do you like late season? So, uh, Owen, before you go any farther, he wants to know <laughs> if you like the white ribbon of death. Right, yes. Okay. I'm not been very, very prevalent this, this winter so far because it, we've been so lucky. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm a February, March kind of skier. That's my man. I like the middle to the late end of the season for myself. Yeah, I mean, so I've been out, I've skied just one weekend so far this year. But it's it's tough early in the season. Like, there's just not enough trails open, so it's a little too crowded for my liking with so many different levels of skiing all going down the same trails. So I'm I'm a mid to late season kind of guy. Good person there you go exactly well vance how how can the listeners support you guys how can they get involved where can they volunteer donate and spread the the awareness for you yeah no great question yeah we couldn't get all this done without our amazing staff our board and so forth but it it really comes down to our supporters so we've individual donors corporate donors foundations so you can find us at any disabledsports.org you can find us on socials the same way, or you can give us a call at our office to talk to any of our staff, and we'd be happy to get you out on the hill and happy to shed spread the word about NEDS and all we can do. But just want a big shout out to all our supporters, because like I said, we couldn't do all the fun things that we do and get people out on the hill without their support. Vance, I want to ask you, not for people that are feeling the same way you are, that want to do more. How can they sort of look into adaptive sports just to see what they can help out? Not like knock on your door at Ned's and say, hey, I want to join. But how can they sort of donate their time to someone in order to see if it's the right fit for them? Yeah, no, great question. We're always looking for new volunteers. It's impressive when you look at it. We have 200 plus volunteers that give their time, right? They come up during the week or on the weekends. They may work all week and then spend time. Saturday and Sunday coaching lessons. So if they're interested in volunteering, whether it be on snow or maybe helping out an event, they can call and talk to us. They can shadow some lessons to come up and spend the day with us and see what it's all about. Experience what a Saturday looks like, getting ready to get students with their caregivers and their loved ones all kind of coming together. See what that experience looks like and see if it's a fit for them. Owen, you you don't know this. I'm going through a knee rehab right now. So I'm at home today doing this podcast. When when I hear that you were born with a disability, it makes my rehab that much easier, knowing that if you can do it, I can make it through it. Definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something something that I've grown up with. So it's something that like I've had to, or I had to adjust to when I was a kid. I mean, everyone else was running around and I was sitting in a wheelchair. But looking back on it, I mean, it's, what made it's what made me who I am, uh, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, it's given me so many cool opportunities in life, and I'm still able to do so many cool things. Just a few adaptations to them. I mean, I'm still able to ski, still still able to go out and do all kinds of sports and stuff like that. So, so with that being said, what words of wisdom would you give the listener? Yeah, I could jump in for a quick second while Owen's thinking there. I mean, so one of our mottos is "Where boundaries are broken." So I think just my advice to people is just get out here and try it. Um, some people have come up with maybe a child that they never thought would be able to enjoy skiing, right? And we get them out on the hill 
trying to get them independent and really just trying to get them to be able to ski with their family or friends or loved ones. So I think just follow that motto where boundaries are broken and come up and give it a try. I have one last question for Owen. I didn't know if there was any, any other big ticket items on the agenda. Like, are you going to hand cycle the East coast again, or is there a big trip planned somewhere in the, in the near future? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I just froze out for a second. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm wondering if there are any big ticket items on your agenda coming up, like another East Coast trip or a big vacation or something you have planned. Yeah, I have got nothing on the plans right now. I definitely would love to do the East Coast again or maybe go East Coast to West Coast or something awesome like that. Nothing in the plans as of right now, but I definitely, definitely on the mind. It's just it's a lot tougher now that I got to go to work and all that. Uh, I we, definitely we feel you to the real world. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely, definitely have some thoughts about some future things that I'd love to do. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to, love to get out and do the east to west coast or east go to east west coast. I'd love to do Maine to Florida again and all that. I gotta, gotta just see, see how things work out right now. But That's- I would love to get out there and do it all again. Yeah. That's great. Welcome to the to the working world. People ask me as a ski writer, like, how often do you ski? I'm like, well, I don't ski at all. I'm always working. So it's it's a tough life sometimes. I want to thank you both for joining us. This was a great conversation. And if uh, anyone is interested, we will give all the information at the end of the podcast as far as contact information and whatnot if you want to look further into New England Disabled Sports. Owen and Vance, thank you very much for joining us on the Basecamp Podcast. Great. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a pleasure, and uh, we will see up at Loon very soon. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. We will be right back. It's it's great to hear Owen tell those stories about being able to participate in sports he loves with with the help of Ned's. So, Mike, how are you doing? How's your rehab going? Oh, my goodness, Eric. First off, knee surgery, a full knee is a pretty invasive surgery. Mm-hmm. Things things are moving in the right direction. The first week was absolutely atrocious. I've never felt so much pain in my quads that were non-existent. But we are moving forward. PT is fantastic. And every day is one closer day to getting back on the hill. Now, you posted a photo on Facebook a few days ago, and it was a nice powder run. And saying, yes, we're, we're at that moment, or I can't remember exactly what you said or, or something. And a lot of your friends thought that you had already been on skis already and were kind of chastising you a little bit. Like, how could you do that already? Uh, you had to back up and say, no, 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 that's not yet. That's, that's to be, but I think you scared some people being out there on the, on the slope so early. Well, (laughs) I, I put out there that you gotta have goals. And that goal was a, oh, let's just say a three-foot dump at Steamboat with snow pillaring over my shoulders. Looked great. Yeah. I was hoping you, but yeah. Yeah, well, guess what? If I was always on snow like that, I probably would have never had knee surgery because that's the soft stuff. It it was the hard, shattering, hard-packed of New England that was driving my knee crazy and rattling and when gel shots were no longer making a difference guess what it was time for knee surgery and and there's never a good time of course now what will you when you return to the slopes and what, what do you say february 
Yeah, my my goal is February one. It's an eleven week turnaround, but we'll okay, see. So, what are you going to be wearing as a brace? It will simply be a compression brace. This, my knee is stronger today because there's no ligament damage. There is stronger than it was before the. You know, I'm sort of a bionic man with a little titanium in me. Sure, of course. So there's there's there should be no brace needed in the sense of lateral stability. If I'm not ready to go, I'm not going to be ready to go and I won't ski. Mm. But my plans are to get on the climbing skis as soon as possible. And it's more about the climb at this point to build the strength back up in the quads. But we we're getting there. You know what? It's a work in progress. Good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I will let you know that I've worn a brace for the past 17 years when I've skied, ever since I tore my ACL. And this year, my first day on the on the mountain at Stowe, I did not wear my brace because I figured I would just be, it would be the white ribbon of death anyway, right? So why do I really need a brace? And then, boy, was I mistaken. It was not the white ribbon of death. It was uh, deep powder. But in any case, Mike, we wish you luck rehabbing. I know it's not the way you want to spend your winter, but I think that when you have your focus on that finish line and, and, and knowing what's going to be there at the end, it's got to be, you know, you've got to be feeling a little bit torn up that you're not out there. We've had a pretty good start to the season. I'm not going to lie to you, Mike, but it's coming. Well, I I put it out there to everybody. I'm the sacrificial lamb this year. So anybody that's enjoying some of the snow up at Killington or Sugarbush or up at Jay Peak or Stowe, where the snow really has been deep, mm-hmm. just thank me. Yeah, that's that's the point. Uh, I like but, this bit actually. That it's gonna we're gonna thank you for the dumps we're gonna get through the end of January into February, and we're just gonna thank you. Well, well, here, here's, here's here's the deal. I'm not doing the other one next year, so take it now. But you know what? We just got off the line with Owen and Vance. When when I look at rehabbing this knee, this, this is where this I was is, eventually getting. By the way, we never got there, but yes, go ahead. Yeah this this is this is absolutely nothing. Those guys are veterans, and that's why I sort of geared in because that was never in the questions that we're going to ask. But the veterans going up there that are still making it happen. Owen, who he didn't have a choice. He he was born with it and he's still out there making it happen. And I look at these these guys just like Kelly Brush, the inspiration that they are giving to me, to others, is just friggin' incredible. Yeah. I mean like I like I mentioned, I've I've had some experience as a youngster working or, or skiing with a blind skier in adaptive sports. And even at that young age, I will never forget just sort of like the, the inspiration I had and just the awe of having this passion for a sport and, and not being able to do it fully, but not letting that be, be an impediment and recognizing at that age and then seeing it at the doorstep of 50, I, I will never stop being impressed by what these people do and, and how they do it. And to be honest, I'm just as impressed and and fulfilled by the people who help them, the people who want to spend their time working with these people because of either their passion for the sport or the passion for working with people or the passion for just advancing disabled sports and adaptive sports. Truly is tremendous. I, I think you just nailed it. 
the people that are committed to making it happen for these future athletes or for people with disabilities. They are true inspirations. They are, they are bringing out the best in human nature, especially in the polarized world that we live in today, where it's me, me, me. They show that the human desire to help others is still there. Yeah. And it, 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 it's, it's remarkable that, like I said to, I said to Vance, like, I don't expect people to knock on your door and say, Hey, I'm here to help, but I can see, I can experience like watching adaptive sports and just wanting to be more involved, even if I don't have to be involved, right? Just finding some place to, to help out with your passion because we're all sharing in the passion in some way. And it's only going to advance us and it's only going to make our passions that much richer if we share them with other people and sharing them in different ways like this is truly healthy for us to advance our sport. That's the way I say. So my challenge, I like challenging the listener, find a way to give back, find a way to, when you see that adaptive program, stop in, make a donation or better yet, give them a little bit of your time and you will make a difference. If you are interested, it is nedisabledsports.org. That's the website. They have offices at Loon and at Bretton Woods. You can go to the website. You can find out all the information. They've got a whole bunch of events planned this year, different programs, both summer and winter. Check them out. There's a full range of information there. That's it. Mike, thank you very much. I hope that things are going well over there. You look oh, nice and comfy. You know what? Things things are fine here in southern New Hampshire as long as it doesn't rain. We're know, taking we, the rain. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm done. I'm done with rain. Okay, I can tell you that. If it's not going to snow, a little sunshine at least keeps my spirits up. Well, I'm keeping an eye on the Gulf of Mexico because that's what the weather people tell me. Look at the Gulf of Mexico, and you'll tell when the next storms are coming. And depending on when you're listening to this, we'll say that the Gulf of Mexico is very active. Mike, the, thank you very much. Hey, Eric. Until next time, it's always a pleasure to talk about skiing in New England here on the podcast. Well, we got plenty more to do, so that's good. I'm Eric Wilber. That is the uh, New England Ski Journal's Base Camp podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we will be back with a new episode next week. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp is a Siemens Media podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful.